Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 46th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, what's it like being young and in your 20s? Uh, I am leaving my 20s soon, but I would say it's good. I feel like I really enjoy my life. I I don't know. I've, I've been having medical issues popping up. I feel like I'm like, you, you could tell I'm approaching my 30s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm an old man. I have an old man back now, apparently. I'm just giving my dog a bath after just a one little day of lifting ancient antique furniture around for my grandmother and then giving my dog one bath. And all of a sudden, I can't move anymore and my back hurts a lot. Yeah. Uh, when we were talking about it earlier, I thought we were going to have to record this podcast. So you like laying, just laying down and... But I was like, we can, we can make it happen better than no podcast. Yeah. I might start laying down in the middle of the pot. I might just get on the floor and just sprawl out, turn it into an audio only version for myself, but we'll see yeah. if I can make it through. I slept all day. I literally slept from like, I woke up at like nine 30, did work from like nine 30 to like 11:30, ate a quick lunch and then was back to sleep from like 12:30 to 4. <laughs> and then I had some dinner and here we are recording a podcast a few hours later. Doesn't sound like a bad day except for the back pain, but the sleeping the whole time sounds sweet. It was necessary. It turns out that your body like repairs itself while you sleep. That sleep does have some necessary bodily functions for you. I didn't did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, sleep's good. It's important. Me sometimes you do it, especially if your body's in pain. Do the sleeping helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as long as you're feeling good and healthy, don't sleep. <laughs> you should still sleep. If you if you if you're hurting and you're sick, sleep. If sleep you're extra. And normal, don't sleep. We need Got like it. a disclaimer. This is not medical advice before the start of this episode. So. We can't give medical advice. We can't give flesh and blood advice. What are we talking about today, Roger? <laughs> I don't know. I think my medical advice is just as good as my flesh and blood advice sometimes. But oh, no. <laughs> I think we're talking about the deck lists that seem interesting from the first few weeks of competitive events that have been rolling out here. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do a deck list deep dive. Okay. Well, what deck do you want to deep dive in first? All right, let's talk about the talk of the town, Azalea. So Brody Spurlock took down the Chicago Min-Max Realm 5K he did? event. This is the first time hearing of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is with Azalea. And so we've got his list pulled up. I'll go ahead and read through it, and then we can talk about it. Go for it. So, of course, he's playing Azalea Ace in the Hole. For equipment, there's Death Dealer, Bullseye Bracers, Crow's Nest, Fiendal Spring Tunic, Perch Grapplers, Skullbone Crosswrap and Snapdragon Scalers. Um, and for reds, there's three Battering Bolt, three Bolt and Shot, three Drill Shot, three Enlightened Strike, two Fatigue Shot, three Infecting Shot, three Lace with Blood Rot, three Lace with Inertia, three Melting Point, three Premeditate, three Ravenous Rabble, three Read the Glide Path, three Red in the Ledger, three Remorseless, three Seek and Destroy, three Widowmaker. Uh, for yellow, there's three Bolt and Shot. Three Codex of Frailty, three Deadeye, three Rain Razors, and three Tarpet Trap. And at blue, there's three Bolton Shot, two Infecting Shot, three Knock the Death Whistle, three Knock the Death Whistle, and three Spire Sniping. So only 11 blues. Um, do the yellows help enough through like these ice heroes? Or does the yeah. deck just struggle a lot into like channel like Bridget, obviously, but just like Frostbites in general? Yeah, Frostbites in general are just very good against Azalea. The yellows help with the resource curve, but they don't help a lot when you're faced with a Frostbite because <laughs> suddenly your turn that can function off two resources, one to load Death Dealer, one to fire the arrow, now doesn't work off a yellow pitch anymore. You really need a blue for those spots. And that's actually why Brody's on nine blues, or 11 blues. I think uh, he kind of talked about his deck list on Arsenal Pass. They had a thing where he talked through his deck and uh, he said that he had nine blues in most matches and boarded up to 11 against the ice heroes. So yeah. Okay. 
If only there was some kind of weapon that could threaten like repeated frostbites to help check Azalea in this format. But you know, oh well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> to be fair, I think Oldheim is fine in Azalea without a winner's whale. You just load up on your big D reacts and what's she gonna do? Just fatigue. Doesn't have a weapon that swings for damage. It's hopeless. But she's the fatigue <laughs> deck in that matchup. She's the fatigue deck. Is she the fatigue yeah. deck because she has fatigue shot? Yeah. You, 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 you're learning. <laughs> so I think this Azalea deck is a very solid starting point. I think there are definitely things that will change as the format develops as people play with Azalea more, but it's doing some really powerful things. It dominates big arrows with impactful on hit effects. Um, it's weird. Azalea just came out of nowhere with the new set, but I feel like there's, it feels like there's not really anything to talk about here. It feels like, it's already been. <laughs> it's... So does Azalea like warp the meta in kind of the similar ways that we've seen like the the default best deck warp it before? Decks like Chain and Starvo and Prism. Like, is it just at a power level now where it's just going to really start consolidating the meta? Or is there just other tools that other decks will just have to start adapting to keep it as kind of diverse as we've been seeing up until this point? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that Azalea is going to do to the metagame is if you're playing an aggressive deck without disruption, then you need to be doing something that is powerful enough that you it's worth like being vulnerable to all these on hits. Because like aggressive decks with raw numbers like Briar, like Phi, are really, really vulnerable to dominated, remorseless, dominated red and not red at the ledger. Yeah, right. The That's yeah. the right one. These big, these big dominated arrows that either shut down their turn or punish them very heavily for having their normal turns. And I think you either need a plan to defend against these things or disrupt Azalea pro like past that, because otherwise you're just gonna like lose your turn to Red in the Ledger and Azalea can cast it a lot of times, and she's not like She's not playing inefficiently at all in order to have access to this. Like a lot of her, all of her cards are outright and she gets to draw extra cards with Death Dealer. I think it's just a very powerful deck and the new tools, the Lace with Blood Rot, the Infecting Shot are kind of like minor ones, but doing two extra damage on hits very big. And then the real big new ones are the Codex of Frailty and uh, Premeditate that both just let her draw an extra card each turn are really, really powerful. Yeah. Do you think they need a ban emergency ban codex of frailty before the pro tour? It's just too oppressive. Nobody can ever deal with this card and it's broken. So I do think there is a solid argument that codex of frailty is the strongest card currently in the game. I, I think someone could buy convince me of that. I don't think it needs to be emergency banned. Usually emergency bans happen when like a deck is like so far and away the best thing and there's not really anything these other decks can do to compete with it and azalea is doing things very powerful she is attacking on a axis that we haven't really seen since starvo with big dominated on hits and above rate damage i guess are the two things because i guess bravo has big dominated attacks but he is not playing above rate at all he's usually playing below rate when he's dominating things so uh, being able to go above rate with Dominate is something we haven't seen since Starvo, and that is very powerful. But there are answers to it, and Azalea is also more vulnerable to defensive strategies than Starvo was, where Starvo would just like keep dominating random on-hit things for above rate second cycle and even third and fourth cycle because eventually it's just like they're swinging like evergreens and autumn touches at you or whatever. Um, Azalea is not really able to do that where she's going to use all of her pumps in the first couple of cycles and then there's nothing left. So if you can survive that onslaught, then uh, yeah, that's kind of her vulnerability, I think. So is Codex Frailty better than Sink Below? <laughs> um, I would mm-hmm. say yes because uh, it's less universal and you need to be able to empty your hand and not have an arsenal in order to play it. So you can play it, put an attack in arsenal, play that attack, and then cash in your ponder token for a whole extra card. But it's pretty easily a zero for, or it's like, it's basically one card for two cards where you're like, 
getting an attack back and then you get a potter token that turns into another attack and on top of being just two cards for one card you're also getting a lot of selection in what card you get it's also a yellow card so it's can be a resource card when the things don't line up for it to be good it i think it's ceiling is similar to like art of war where you're getting reasonably more than a card's worth of value out of your card and then it's just a yellow and then this one blocks too also which just makes it slightly better than art of war and is also more functional in a mono red hand whereas art of war does cost a resource okay what about the how so you did a lot into like how you evaluate the card but i didn't what do you think about the frailty card token but your opponent's selection of like a card from their discard but them also having to discard like there's just a lot on the opposite side of the table that you have to evaluate on the card as well so it just seems like really tricky to like quantify a card like this yeah definitely it's really hard to assign a value to that your opponent puts a card from their discard into their arsenal and discards the card um that is an effect that can sometimes be pretty negative for you and an effect that can sometimes be very positive for you when they're doing that because like if they don't have an arsenal then they're losing a card from their hand that could defend and now no longer can um because it's in their arsenal instead of in their hand so they can't block with it anymore um so that is like a lot of upside but also sometimes you're giving your opponent whatever specific card they want like giving your the opponent bravo more access to crippling crush they they usually only get three and then you're just giving them an extra one and that's definitely a net negative in spots um and then the the frailty token is just nice upside if they want to play their arsenal that turn the arsenal you just gave them or the a card they already had an arsenal them losing one power on it is pretty nice upside and them losing one power on their weapon is also very nice upside where a lot of the time you get one point of value out of it but it's not like i think it's you're not consistently getting the one point of value out of it sometimes you are sometimes you're not and because of that i think the value is somewhere between zero and one but hard to you know (laughs) fair enough okay i want i won't push you on it so much further do you want is there anything else you want to say about azalea before we move on then um I guess the last thing is the crow's nest, just getting that quiver slot. It's just, uh, you kind of talked about it before, how you didn't like aim counters, and they kind of finally revealed to us what their plan for aim counters was all along. And it's really powerful just whenever you activate Azalea, if you put an arrow there, you can pay one just to give it an aim counter. It very, synergizes very nicely with some of the arrows in the format. Yeah, I think this was one of our many not-on-the-podcast discussions that we've had you know, just spoilers. Sometimes Mike and I will talk about Flesh and Blood, not, and, and we don't record it. Wow. Um, but I think I was talking to you. It's weird the design space that they've kind of carved out in Ranger at this point, because now all they need to do is just like give Riptide or Lexi or any other future Rangers like this modular switch where either they have easy access to aim counters or they don't. And as soon as you give a ranger easy access to aim counters, their power level just shoots up through the roof with all of these extra like uh, effects that these um, aim counters provide for these above rate arrows. And without it, they're just kind of like forced to play either jump through the extra hoop to really work for the aim counter or just ignore the aim counter cards and just kind of play the other arrows that they would have access to at their normal rate. And we kind of see that in... Lexi, if we want to jump there next, where she's not playing the aim counter arrows. She's just playing the normal rate arrows and just firing a bunch of them in with Voltaire. But it's just an interesting design space, like I said, where for the rest of Ranger for all time, they kind of have this sub-talent of aim counters. Like cryptically <laughs> keyworded in, in aim counters on arrows for the rest of the time. So I don't know. Yeah, we can, we can jump into Lexi next since that makes sense so oh gosh name mobasir i'm so bad at names i'm sure i butchered that anyway uh he got top eight in the realm brawl with lexi and he played for equipment voltaire i'm pretty sure it's naive if i had a guess i had a guess naive sounds close yeah you said naive naive sounds like much uh yeah okay I'm sorry. I we could both don't be wrong. Names. Yeah, we're we're both. Uh... Anyways, names they're hard. 
Do you want to name the name of cards in the deck instead? <laughs> I will list the card. So okay. for equipment, there's Voltaire Strike twice, Bullseye Bracer, Final Spring Tunic, Heart of Ice, New Horizon, Nolrun Boots, Perch Grapplers, Quiver of Abyssal Depths, and Quiver of Rustling Leaves. For the actual cards, at red, there's two Arctic Incarceration, three Bolt and Shot, two Chilling Ice Vein, two Command and Conquer, one Death Touch, three Drill Shot, three Endless Arrow, three Falcon Wing, two Fatigue Shot, two Heat Seeker, three Ice Quake, one Inertia Trap, one Lightning Press, one Lightning Surge, three Pathing Helix, two Premeditate, three Searing Shot, and three Three of a Kind. At yellow, there's one Art of War, three Bolton Shot, three Boulder Trap, one Chilling Ice Vein, three Codex of Frailty, three Rain Razors. And at blue, there's three Drill Shot, two Fatigue Shot, three Frostlock, two Headshot, two Infecting Shot, one Sedation Shot, one Sleep Dart, two Winner's Bite, and one Withering Shot. So we were mocking this card, Quiver of Abyssal Depths, but it's making an appearance here. I'd be curious if this Quiver was ever activated and it was relevant at any point in time <laughs> when it's in this list. Yeah, I uh, I kind of doubt it, but I'm not sure. I think like if you're against an old time opponent and they are threatening to fatigue you, it's <sighs> I think it's better than putting Remembrance in your deck. Sure, because it's not in your deck, and you don't have no to draw it. Yeah, it's you can turn one of your blues into Remembrance. Mm-hmm. You lose out on Quiver of Wrestling Leaves, which is not a very big cost to lose out on, where you can pitch a blue to try to trigger this which isn't even that likely to hit in this list there's a decent number of non-arrow cards in the deck that that said i i'm not sure it's worth a sideboard slot i'm not sure that just being able to pitch a blue to shuffle three arrows back in your deck is going to make a difference in the fatigue matchups that's fair so the other thing that's going on in this deck that's kind of interesting is there's a lot of one of effects or attacks or like two of attacks and that's kind of making it so that maybe you can block with some of these things on first cycle, or if you just want more of this particular arrow effect in the matchup, it kind of turns Codex of Frailty and kind of to like this even more tech toolbox card where you're not only just getting whatever good rate attack you're needing for a particular situation you're also finding particular effective on hits as well that you're trying to push through so i think that's really interesting yeah i think that's especially like uh, that that kind of really shows up with the one copy of death touch in the deck where this is a card that you never want to draw two of you never you're not even like super happy about drawing the first one but there's going to be some turns where it's the best card to codex back by a reasonable amount it's just like one more damage better than like the infecting shot that you would get back otherwise. And that, that is very valuable to have access to that. Mm -hmm. Especially after you've already presented a lot of on hit, like threatening arrows on the turn cycle, your opponent might not have any cards left to block with or any armor. And then just coming in with the death touch, like you said, it's going to be more than likely just the most amount of damage you can usually present to your opponent. Mm -hmm. And Turning your Codex of Frailty into an attack that deals essentially eight damage if it hits and gets the Blood Rock Pox token. And, draws and then card. also draws a card off the Ponder. <laughs> for for one resource, eight damage draw a card for one resource. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think the only thing that might be a little weird is there's only two Premeditate, but I guess Lexi isn't really focused on pumps as much as a deck like Azalea is, right? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a... a have a bold claim here and say there probably should just be three premeditates in the deck. I think the card is very you good. Think it's the better f- than ice quake. Uh, yes, <laughs> I do. Fair. It's very strong. A ponder token on hit is generally better than giving your opponent a frostbite. One card is usually better than one frostbite. You also, uh, it costs zero instead of costing one. So, there's, you can't ice fuse with it though. So I mean. you, you can't ice fuse and you can't activate Lexity of the Frostbite when it's in your arsenal. So it does have downsides where it is not always better than Ice Quake, but I think the card is just powerful enough that you should probably be including three of. Um, While we're talking about ice cards, how do you feel about Red Arctic Incarceration here? Arctic Incarceration is a card that has shown up a decent amount in Lexi. It's kind of been on and off where the fuse lists almost always play it 
a lot of times they play three copies of it. The fuse list lists. The fuse list lists. Yeah, the fuse list Lexi lists. You sometimes play it, sometimes don't. Um, it's pretty powerful when you play it and your opponent doesn't have a blue in hand. You give them three frostbites and it just like ruins their turn. And that happens a lot. We kind of talked about the Azalea list earlier, how it had nine blues into a lot of the aggressive decks. It might board into 11 against Lexi because you know Lexi can threaten to give you frostbites and stuff. But like when you have nine or 11 blues, a lot of your hands aren't going to have a blue in it. And when you eat an Arctic incarceration, you don't have a blue in your hand. That's. You don't get a turn. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely does seem like a good tech card. And I can see even playing some more of those uh, depending on how the meta shakes out as well. I think the one card that also kind of stands out to me that we maybe some other podcasters have talked about as being maybe overrated in the past in this list is Command and Conquer. I don't know that just raw Command and Conquerors are necessarily fixing either your mirror or your matchup into Azalea. Um, I just don't think it's doing enough on its own in those in those situations. Yeah, I think it is... I would go. I would go on a limb and say it's for Dromai and the Mirror mostly. The same reasons that I. Oh use. yeah, I forgot that deck exists. Dromai. Yeah. Your favorite deck. I guess sometimes you sort of, but like Lexi's not as bad into Dromai as Azalea's, right? She's able to kind of have easier access to go again and can shoot some uh, arrows to clean up the more threatening dragons if she needs to. Yeah, I, I would say Lexi can struggle into Dromai. It can be pretty tough to just like sink a whole arrow into a dragon because um, the dragons are going to attack you. You don't have a popper, and then you spend a whole arrow and a resource to load that arrow to take out the dragon. It's not a great exchange a lot of the time, but it. I, I guess if Dromai is good, I would expect her to be good against Lexi. Yeah, I would. Death Touch is a popper, so I don't know. Maybe. Just play, I don't know, poppers. Just don't respect Dromai. Just don't care about poppers. That's my advice. Who cares? Yeah, I think Dromai is a deck that has been held down because even when she's not seeing any success, people still respect her. They still bring their three poppers. They're like, I will not lose to Dromai. And but are you not losing to Dromai because you have three pop? Like, oh, we did it. We got three poppers in my list. <laughs> I can't lose to Dromai now. It's just like. Does that really is that really the difference between winning and losing? And if that's the case, the hero is even more unplayable than I'm giving her credit for. If it only if she folds to three poppers in a deck, she's like, "Oh no, my opponent has three six powered attacks. How can I win?" <laughs> yeah, the difference in game between them having zero poppers and them having one popper on any turn is like huge. So when you have three poppers, you have three outs to draw the card, the draw the popper on the turn that it matters, the turn that it would shut down the draw my and. They're just powerful, I guess. <laughs> Dromai is quite vulnerable to poppers. They they fix the issue with Prism, where Prism's like, "Yeah, you have poppers, nice. Here's my auras. I'm going to attack you 15 times for one damage each." That was that was a good illusionist, man. I miss her. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Lexi then? Yeah, I I will say there are some cards in this list that are kind of interesting. They're not even Codex targets, and they're still one ofs. Like there's one Art of War, one Lightning Press, um, one Inertia Trap. One lightning surge. One lightning surge. Lightning surge is kind of, it can be a codex target, but the deck just, it wouldn't surprise me if this deck gets refined more. And it's, Lexi is a deck that we've kind of talked about being more difficult than Azalea to build on week one of a brand new meta. There's a lot more options you have instead of just jamming the best pumps and the best arrows you have. I would say there's more, more to figure out. And Seeing all these different one-ofs, it wouldn't surprise me if Naib was doing some experimenting this weekend, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lexilis move towards more three-ofs and s- somewhat less one-ofs and two-ofs. Though, I guess if you're in a top eight match and your opponent's deck list has one lightning press, like you can't respect it. You can't play around it most of the time. You're just like going to get got by it. Yeah, fair enough. Unless they flip it up in their arsenal and then like you know about it yeah Yeah. that's fair that's That's gonna happen sometimes okay ready to move on yeah you want to talk about dromai yeah your favorite deck okay let's talk let's talk about this very playable very good deck that won one whole event now and is clearly tier one and the best deck in the format that everybody should play at the pro tour 
<laughs> so Zachary Wallach. Wallach. I'm going with Wallach. Wallach. Okay. I'm not going to fight you on it. <laughs> Took down the AGE open uh, with Dromai. For equipment, there's Storm of Sandakai, Crown of Providence, Flamescale Furnace, Ghostly Touch, Mage Master Boots, Norrin Gloves, Silent Stilettos, and Silken Form. At red, there's three Blaze Headlong, three Burn Them All, three Command and Conquer, two Red, two Dust of the Red Desert, three Dust Up, three Enlightened Strike, three Fate Proceed, three Invoke Asvali, three Invoke Chromai, one Invoke Dominia, three Invoke Kyloria, three Invoke Mirror Guy, one Invoke Uvia, one Invoke Tomaltai, three Invoke Vincerakai, three Invoke Yenderai, three Oasis Respect, three Rake the Embers, three Sigil of Solace, three Sink Below, three three Sweeping Blow. At yellow, there's a Remembrance, everybody's favorite card. Ooh, broken. And at blue, there's three Ember Moss Senapai, three Enigma Chimera, three Passing Mirage, two Phantasmal Haze, one Semblance, and three Sweeping Blow. So I guess first thoughts, this isn't like the super red heavy list of Dromai that we've seen where they're like almost all reds, very few blues. There's 15... 15 total blues in this deck it's looking to cast the bigger dragons yeah i guess if you're looking to just beat a ranger like if you invoke tomaltai and blow up their uh new horizon lexi should just concede on the spot at that point especially if they already have two cards in their arsenal and blowing up um Skullbone Crosswrap. Skullbone Crosswrap into Azalea really makes it so they can't consistently dominate their arrows as well as they would like to. So I like Tomaltai. You know, if there's if there's one thing that sells me on Dromai and makes her not be a completely unplayable garbage to your hero, it is Tomaltai. Dominia too, but you know, especially Tomaltai. <laughs> um, if you could play, if, if that dragon wasn't legendary, I'd be all in on on Dromai. Uh, but they breathe are fire and all these equipment. Yeah, that'd be sick, but yeah. you can only do it once, and then you're sad, and then that's it. Yeah, I guess if Ripkatide could play three Spike Pit Traps, that would shore up the Azalea matchup as well. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, Tumultai is very good in the Ragers. Having a deck that can support casting. Well, well I will. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to let you just sneak that one right. It, it, drama. It, Oh, you said Tomaltai. Tomaltai. Oh, I thought you said Dromai. There's so many eyes. I'm just like Chromai, Dromai, Mirigai, Tomaltai. Fi. Chromai. Chromai and Dromai. I'm still not sure which one's which a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, so Tomaltai is very good in the dragon or into the rangers. <laughs> um, what Dromai is able to do with good defensive cards going long these dragons that will take a full attack to clear against a deck that doesn't have weapons and doesn't naturally have a high popper count if dromai is good the ranger metagame is where dromai should shine i don't know about that one but we'll see i guess i was needling mara a little bit on twitter because she was like she posted a picture like this is not okay or something like that it was like this 14 power arrow with a bunch of odd hit effects on it and it had dominate and uh, I was just like, just cast sand cover. Easy, you know, done. You did it. You don't have to care about dominate. You have sand cover. It's broken. You just get you, you gotta cast walk for three and cast sand cover. What is, what does Azalea do? You did it. You covered it up. You block seven. Yeah, we no copies of sand cover in this list. Interestingly, the, three oasis respite though. Yeah, you can pitch a red, cast your oasis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three card seven. That'll show them. That'll show those Rangers who's boss. <laughs> eight, you're, eight, you're probably behind, so you'll gain a life off the Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, that is probably true. One thing really noteworthy about Oasis, I think it's a card that has been historically overrated. It is not as... It's not easy to spend the resources on your opponent's turn that you get by pitching a blue to cast this. Dromai can cast it by just pitching a red. You spend two cards for four points of value and you get an ash. Ash is kind of important. It's not the worst deal in the world. And in the right metagame where Oasis plus a three block is covering up things that you need to cover up, 
seems okay. I don't think we're in this spot like you were alluding to when arrows come in for 12 dominate your three block plus an oasis isn't going to get there and covering it up no so that is not that is not the solution i would be looking towards yeah, although so- if we're playing this many blues maybe you can start looking to like hearts like uh unmovable like if you like you're actually doing it like if you actually can have like enough blues to consistently play it or maybe you just cast the unmovable and make three ash you know that. That's a pretty good deal when your immovable starts making you three ash, Michael. Oh, no. Stop. That's three future sand stop. covers pre-paid. Oh, my God. I don't think you can get to immovable with only 15 blues. It's just, like, not consistent enough. Um, yeah, that's why I said sometimes you got to make three ash with your immovable, you know? It's, yeah, it, you, can, you can sure do that. So... Even though Dromai has like a lot of things that should be pretty good against Azalea, like dragons that are hard to kill, and um, Azalea has a low popper count, Dromai still go again to like target specific dragons. It's usually she's coming in with one big attack on a turn, so it's annoying for her to clean up like the Aether Ash Wings or little dragons. Yeah, I think the biggest problem is Dromai is still extremely vulnerable to Red in the Ledger, which is kind of Azalea's crutch for anything that would be tough that is going wide is she just dominates right in the ledger and that hero doesn't have a real turn they just do one thing they as dromai you play your mopey dust up for four or whatever and can't do can't do anything else so yeah you can have 30 dragons on the battlefield you hit by one little red in the ledger you get to attack with one dragon though if you have 30 dragons you're probably okay it's usually like when you have like three or four dragons you get right in the ledger and you're like dang Sometimes until they go there, they're like, oh, okay, I survived this red on the ledger turn. The next one I'll get. And then they come in with like, and then they codex and then they pump it to like 20 power. And you're like, oh, well, the next one I'll be okay. And then they knock the death whistle and they give the next one dominate and pump. And you're like, okay, the next turn, my 30 dragons coming in any point, any day now, <laughs> I'm going to get to attack and then you're dead. Yeah, fair. Draw my. Certainly a hero, people, people. The most played in very many tournaments. I'm just happy to see that, you know, finally it won, won something, you know, what a, what a, what a world. So congratulations to Zachary on taking down the AG open with what Roger considers to be the worst hero in the game. Yeah. Worse than Lavia. Misty could probably have top eight at just as many tournaments with Dromai as the rest of the field at this point. <laughs> yep. Look at her go. She's uh, she's having a time. She loves the camera. <laughs> okay. I guess last thing is there's two Dust of the Red Desert. That's a card we that, got. That, that fixes the old high matchup. You can't lose that one now because you have Dust of the Red Desert. You can't pop it. What do they do? Uh, a card we got in Dynasty that uh, was basically all drum I got in Dynasty was these new Ashes that are okay against high popper decks, but you have to spend a whole extra card. It does make your thing lose phantasm, which is nice, but yeah, then you get to come in it... with your Vincenterakai. And how is Oldheim ever going to block a six power and attack, Michael? Can you can you think of a single time the mighty Oldheim could block six power worth of an attack and then somehow be able to swing back one power in order to kill it on the following turn? Can you think of a single time where that's ever happened? <laughs> so d- dust does help against an old time that's trying really hard to fatigue you um it forces him to spend two cards to block this if you have a bunch of time you can set up two dust you can play two vincerakais in the same turn attack with two vincerakais and attack with the rest of your board if they don't pop the rest of the board and if they're blocking out the vincerakais they're not able to pop the rest of your board because these three cards or four cards to block them out so it is powerful is it enough to fix the matchup? I don't know. The matchup is like... I've always thought it was just like a really skill-testing matchup for the Dromai side more than it was a bad matchup. You just have to pitch stack really well and keep your play your Chrome Eyes when they matter, play your Mirror Guys when they matter, and build up a board over time. So I think... I wouldn't be surprised to see Dromai beating these like really defensive old times with, especially when they're including Dust in their deck. But... The main matchups that are problematic on top of just like the deck being not 
amazing overall is these decks that are like pretty aggressive and also have high popper counts like Reinar, Lavia, Bravo, Bravo yeah. even the aggressive or the more aggressive versions of Oldheim. It's just really hard for Dromai to race these decks when they're able to swing high amounts of damage a lot of the time with some form of evasion, either dominate or intimidate in Reinar's case and just have poppers for your crackback that you're trying to race. So yeah, Dromai, I think I still think there's maybe something here that we haven't found out, but there's some serious things you have to overcome when you're playing Dromai. Mm-hmm. Like the fact you're playing Dromai. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Let's talk about uh, this guy. What about uh, this guy, uh, Michael Hamilton and his uh, Icelander deck. Do you want to read off his list? Yeah, so this random guy got fourth place at the AG, or not AG, Open, the he Chicago. Did. AG, Congrats, no, dude. the Chicago, the Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> the Min Max 5K Chicago Realm Games Brawl. Okay. With Icelander. For equipment, there's Waning Moon, Alluvian Constellus, Coronet Peak, Connor Providence, Final Spring Tunic, Iron Head Gauntlet, Iron Rock Gauntlet, Metacarpus Node, Norrin Hood, and Storm Striders. At red, there's three Aether Ice Vein, two Command and Conquer, two Encase, three Enlightened Strike, three Finals Fighting Spirit, three Scar for a Scar, three Sink Below, three Winner's Bite, three Wounded Bull. At yellow, there's two Aether Ice Vein. And at blue, there's three Aether Hail, three Aether Ice Vein, two Blizzard, three Brain Freeze, two Brothers in Arms, three Channel Lake Frigid, three Cold Snap, three Amir Discolding, two Energy Pot, three Frost Hex, three Frosting, one Heart of Final, three Ice Bolt, three Ice Eternal, Three Insidious Chill, three Polar Blast. Small correction. Uh, it's three Energy Potion. Um, energy Pot's not a, a valid card in the game. Uh, it's en- Energy Potion. Just, uh, two, just two two Energy Potions. Did I say Energy Pot, really? You did. You did. Oh, well. What can you do? Yeah. If you registered Energy Pot in your deck, you, you'd have an illegal deck because there's no such no such card. So, mm-hmm. so one thing to note, this deck, it keeps creeping up how many reds it's playing. We got our stuff banned. We add more reds. We need to address the Ranger Menace. We add more reds. It's It was it was definitely a problem over the weekend where I had hands where I draw three or four reds, and it's not great. There's just the, the quality of blues without Amulet and Hypothermia has gone down, definitely. And Yeah, to be fair, at the good, good news is, a lot of these reds do cost zero in case it might strike scar for a scar winner's bite sink below so it's not the end of the world drawing three reds a lot of the time with this it's the when you draw like eighth rice fade mooded bull finals fighting spirit all in the same those that's that's when you're in some trouble in a hand right yeah yeah definitely and that is an issue i was coming across over the weekend where i would draw ice vein wounded bull in case and maybe like a blue emeritus scolding or something and i'm like well can't really fuse this in case can't play the ice vein. <laughs> i can play the the wounded bull and block with the other two cards but that's not really where you want to be with a lot of your hands you usually want to like have a blue to play your arsenal out and then have another blue to arsenal a new card and then have another blue to play your wounded bull and you just need you need a lot of blues and that was definitely a problem i was running into so is it time to just start throwing the other blue fables that you can? Should we start putting um, Eye of Ophidia in the deck to make sure you're filtering to making sure it's opt to to make sure you're going to hit a blue in the next two cards? Just start, <laughs> just keep throwing fables in here to fix the problem? Yeah, I don't think just throwing more money at it will answer the issue. <laughs> I, I think there might need to be some some looking at the deck, looking at what blues actually line up well into what the Rangers are doing. Since the Rangers are both pretty difficult matchups and I think the the reds help in case was definitely good over the weekend, but you can only put so many reds in your deck before you're running into issues. So really looking through all the blues that are legal for Ice Center to play and seeing if any of them kind of solve. Could always swap red winner's bite for blue winner's bite. It's obviously pretty mopey, but like they do a lot of the same things versus Rangers a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I could see blue winner's bite, especially against Azalea where a lot of the time they can like hedge by holding one resource to play around a frostbite to make sure they can still shoot their arrow by holding an extra red. If you give them a frostbite, they just pitch their extra red. If you winners bite them, give them a frostbite and strip the card from their hand. Then suddenly now they can't shoot whatever they were trying to shoot. And I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) 
and that that could just like completely turn an azalea turn that would have been like 10 damage from two pumps and an arrow into just a zero damage turn so definitely something to consider there the fact that you can play at instant speed with ice center's ability is very powerful and then it also does work well with uh three or four card hands where you can just play and then do other things Mm. it's probably niche but like if they are on two cards or whatever and it's double red hand and they try to load in uh, an arrow with death dealer by pitching a red and they don't have tunic up so pretty niche situation if you play blue winners by since death dealer is a sorcery or not instant speed uh, activation you can't just nab the last card out of their hand and then they don't get to load anything with death dealer so that's kind of cute mm-hmm. but the more i thought of, i was like "Ooh, that's a really cool thing and i was like well what about that what about that what about that what about that and i was like oh this is probably gonna be more niche than it, i actually gave her credit for but eh, eh, maybe i don't know yeah, it's not nothing, and when you're just looking for more blues, it's reasonable. I think Blizzard's also a card I was undervaluing, where I don't really like it against Lexi, but I think it might actually be good against Azalea, because a lot of the time she wants to play a Rabble, she wants to play a Bolton Shot, she wants to play an E-Strike with Go again, and like Blizzarding these cards can really shut down her turn, just end it entirely when she's on such a low blue count. What about Channel the Bleak Expanse? Do you think that that stops Azalea from drawing cards off Death Dealer, right? That's a pretty good effect. It does do that. That's about all it does. Is that good enough? Maybe. I. Lexi plays three of a kind. You flash in your Channel of the Bleak Expanse. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> no, not something you're interested in doing. I do think how often Azalea Death Dealers does make it like really worth considering compared to like before where if you had it in against Briar, like you would just wait until they played Tome of Harvest, which is a card they like pitched half the time they drew anyway. And they only had three copies of it. And that's the only thing you really wanted to hit with it. Or even against Fi, where they had Belittles and Art of Wars that were pretty good targets. It just like wasn't coming up often enough that it was worth arsenaling it. I think against Azalea, who's death dealing every turn, that might actually be worth it. And then against Lexi, even where you're shutting down her three of a kind, you at worst you could trade it for a ponder token, which she has six cards that are now making ponder tokens that you're not really stopping. It's not the worst thing in the world. That's fair. I'm also just looking through all the blues in the world at the moment, trying to see what else I can talk you into. That's that's really bad. Yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna solve Icelander right here in this in this podcast. I think there is stuff to explore if you want to work on Icelander. I don't think the deck's dead, but I think it's definitely need to do some retooling and it's a, a tough a tough thing to figure out where it was so much easier to just like disrupt Rosetta Thorn than it is to figure out how to disrupt these rangers. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I'm, I, th- I think the issue still might be solved by just throwing more money at it, you know, just get some more fabled in there and we'll just start going from there, you know, just up the deck list up, the price up. Yeah, because it's not expensive enough right now. Yeah, yeah. Lay down I your gold the... cold foils. You got you already got the... gold cold foil for like half a thing in your professional super special isolator thing. Your opponent will be so dazzled by the prize tag of your deck. They'll be like, oh no, I can't see. They won't be able to concentrate and you'll win games that way. Yeah, I, I see the corner of this uh February link. It says it's fifteen hundred dollars already. So Yeah, make it more expensive and your opponent <laughs> won't be able to play the game anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ready to move on? Yeah. Where do you where do you want to go next? Let's talk about Kano real quick. Okay. What about him? So t- <laughs> you pronounce the player's name. I don't want to. I feel like I've messed Fei-Yu up. Feiyu so Kai. All right. So Feiyu took down or not took down. Took Kano to third slash fourth place in the. It did AG win. Tournament green tree event against charles dunn over the weekend in in pennsylvania tried my best to find that list couldn't find it so we're talking about this kano list instead but kano seems to be popping up a little bit he seems to be the dark horse wizard that people might be sleeping on a little bit but go ahead yeah kind of out of nowhere but for equipment there's crucible of aether weave waning moon alluvian Gonzalez, final spring tunic metacarpus node Ragamuffin's hat, Spellfire cloak, and Stormstriders. So, I guess noteworthy here already. There's three different chess pieces with Alluvian, Final Spring Tunic, and Spellfire cloak. Uh, I'm gonna move on. Reds. There's three Aether Dart, three Aether Flare, 
one Aether Quickening, three Aether Spindle, three Aether Wildfire, three Blazing Aether, one Cindering Foresight, one Dampen, three Snapback, three Swell Tidings, three Tome of Aether Wind, one Voltic Bolt, one, uh, and then at yellow, there's one Chain Lightning, three Lesson in Lava, three Sonic Boom, three and three Tome of Final. At blue, there's three Aether Dart, three Aether Flare, three Aether Quickening, three Emeritus Scolding, three Energy Potion, one Eye of Aphidia, three Gaze the Ages, one Potion of Deja, Deja Vu, three Prognosticate, three Sap, two Scolding Rain, three Singe, and three Zap. What was the other potion that was an energy potion? Potion of Deja Vu. Okay, cool. And then um, what potion was Potion of the... Deja Vu. And then what was the other potion that was an energy potion? <laughs> potion of Deja Vu. Oh, okay, okay. I feel like you've said that before, but I can't, I couldn't remember, you know? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a weird feeling you have there. Yeah, they should, they should put a name on that. <laughs> so, Kano, doesn't... Like, looks, there's a lot of one-ofs in this, again. There's the one Aether Quickening, one Cindering Foresight, one Dampen, one Voltic Bolt. There's no no uh, Codex of Frailty in this deck. Why, why so many one-ofs? Uh, because you're just drawing a lot of cards. You're just you're just flipping them off the top and hoping it's the and But and you're also scrying a lot in this deck too, right? Yeah, you have the Eye of Aphidia to opt to, and then you have the Gaze the Ages to opt to also. And then Sonic Boom, right? What, also, in lava. Uh, Sonic Boom deals damage. Look at the top card of your deck. You do you may play at this turn. Oh, I thought there was one. I think you're thinking of Lesson in Lava, which goes and finds a card and puts it on top. Yeah. I thought there was one that also scryed equal to the amount of damage you dealt. Oh, that's uh, Aether Spindle. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's so many Aether cards, you know, this is, they just all start to Aether together. They all blur together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that does make sense. You want, when you have more ways to, like, look through your deck for specific things, you can have more specific things in your deck to go find. The one thing that stands out to me a little bit is the one Dampen. I guess it's for dragons because it can go to any target. Not sure. Maybe but it solves the mirror. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think either of us are Kato experts, so I don't know if there's really a lot to say. I should say become a Kato it. expert. I can see. T- I, I I think it's the Pro Tour. People will bring Kano. I should be one of the people who brings Kano to the Pro Tour. All the good people do it, you know, like Sasha and Hayden and in in Alexander Vore and all the all the really smart, good wizard people bring Kano to the Pro Tour. And I always seem to do. I should be one of those smart, really good wizard people that brings a Kano to the Pro Tour. None of the the smart wizard players bring Iceland to the Pro Tour. No, 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 no. Those are the the easy mode wizards. You can't cut it on Kano. (laughs) (laughs) But I imagine this deck is okay into Azalea. You mentioned the three chess pieces. I imagine you're playing Spellfire Cloak into Azalea just because you're trying to go off as fast as possible. And it's not like Azalea is going to like arcane barrier you a bunch because they just are playing like nine to 11 blues most of the time. So your combo is pretty good to go is if you like you hit it early i would imagine so i think that's kind of why we've been seeing him pop up a little bit more i think he might struggle a little bit more into lexi just because lexi can play the uh shock charmers for the two um whatchamacallit null not null rune spell void spell void yeah but even then i don't think the lexi list we've just looked at is where we're playing shock charmers so i don't know yeah, I think Lexi's a deck that if she wants to beat the Ranger, she is very, very capable of it. She has Heart of Ice, she has Shock Charmers. She just yeah. like has the tools, she has frostbites, she can like she's not very committed to her turn before yeah, she that's the first thing. Naive's list did have Heart of Ice. I remember that that card is good in TO. Mm-hmm. So Lexi definitely has the tools to beat up Kano, but can she afford to to commit those tools in the metagame where she has to deal with Azalea, she has to deal with these old times, she has to deal with uh, all these other Everything decks. else. Yeah, Everything literally every other in the deck format. Deck. Yeah, except for Dromai. Poppers for Dromai. Poppers for Dromai. You got to make room for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when Kano is a deck that isn't respected, when people are cutting their arcane barrier, when they 
aren't playing car- hate cards like Oasis, um, Kano is a deck that can really take down events, and it's capable of some of the most explosive turns in the game with Aether Wildfire being... I don't want to say one of the strongest cards in the game because I don't think it is, but like it is capable of leading to some very, very, very broken. It's one of the best setup cards in the game. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, like luminous engine, like luminous engine by itself sucks, but like, it's one of the best setup cards in the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So, uh, either wildfire leading to some turns that are upwards of 40 damage when your opponent doesn't block at all. It's, it's very, it can be very powerful when, yeah, very potent when it is not respected. And yeah, we saw Kano do well at the AGE Open. We saw it take down the 1K this weekend. So yeah, Kano, a deck to at least think about. Yeah. Um, so we're at 53 minutes here now. I don't want to talk about Usury. I'm done. My back's starting to hurt me. Can we Can we wrap things up? Oh, no, we're going to skip Usury, but that's the sweetest one. We should have skipped Kano. <laughs> How's Uzuri the sweetest one? Uzuri She's a cool new hero. Nah. We skipped Briar. I think Briar is more relevant than Uzuri. Oh, what's Briar done while at? The top eight of the same event you just top eighted. There are just yeah. so many Briars in the top eight is Icelander. Yeah, but I like Icelander. We have to talk about <laughs> Icelander. All right, we'll talk about Uzuri another time. Yeah, we have an Uzuri special next week. Uzuri, we got to talk about Uzuri and Katsu next week. There we go. Okay. The two new heroes that aren't good. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. So any other final thoughts before we wrap things up here then, buddy? Yeah, I think despite the results of the Chicago tournament being an Azalea mirror in the finals, I think we're actually in a pretty open meta game, at least until we find what actually breaks it. But I, I don't think, I think Azalea is going to shut out some of the decks out of the format, but I don't think it's like the go-to best deck. I think there's going to be decks that beat it. And then you'll have to think about what decks beat the decks that beat Azalea. And then does Azalea beat those decks again? And nice, healthy metagame triangle. Pyramid what level do you put Dromai at then? What level? What what level? So, where does Dromai fall on that? So I'm, I'm thinking if Azalea is level one, <laughs> and then you can build Dromai to beat Azalea, then okay. uh-huh. if you can do that, then yeah. Dromai is level two. But okay. also another counter, I think, to Azalea might be Oldheim. And I think you can make Dromai beat Oldheim too. Can you make Dromai beat both Oldheim and Azalea? If you can, then it's the perfect deck. Okay, you've sold me. We're going to be Dromai gamers at the Pro Tour. Here we come. Yeah, it's weird that we're not testing very much Dromai, huh? What a coincidence. <laughs> Don't right, give away those secrets watching. like this. We've been, too, we've been hard at work on Dromai. <laughs> it's all been a ruse this whole time. <laughs> and Bolton too, right? Yeah, the Bolton v. Dromai mirrors have been just crushing it nonstop because that's, you started as Alien, then you go to Dromai, and then you go to Bolton. That's the, level. <laughs> the natural progression of Bolton counters Dromai, who counters as Alien. Uh-huh. We saw we already know the Pro Tour meta, Mike. We are, we already figured it out. You ever tried a Lumina combo when, uh, with a frailty token? Dromai doesn't have frailty tokens, Michael. That's why he's level three. <laughs> he counters the Dromai. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, on that very serious, good, poignant note, we're going to call it up. <laughs> Thanks, Zelda. <laughs> Zelda's ready to call it. That's for sure. So on that note, I think we're ready to call it. And remember, the next time you're playing any hero in Flesh and Blood, any hero whatsoever, even Dromai, always remember, mind your manners. We'll see you next time. Dromai's not that bad. We just haven't figured it out yet. Keep working on it. I believe in you, Dromai mates. 